listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to jump in because I'm so, I'm so stirred up in my spirit, by the way, on this series we're on, understanding your divine dominion. And hopefully, I had so many people write in from uh, last night's broadcast, which is encouraging because, you know, you don't know where everybody else is at. You don't know what people have been taught. But it encouraged me personally because so many people wrote in and said, um, man, I heard stuff in that session on dominion last night that I've never heard before. I had people write in and say, that so stirred my faith. This was exactly what I needed. Uh, people saying that they felt the strength of the word in their spirit, felt the strength. I had one, I love this, a couple of nights ago when we were praying and releasing the joy of the Holy Ghost, somebody wrote in a testimony and said, when you prayed that prayer, the joy of the Lord hit me here in my home and I started laughing, laughed all night. My spouse did not know anything about what was going on with me, but the power of God hit me uh, to the point where I was just laughing in the Holy Ghost all over my house. I'm thanking God that people are being supernaturally touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. Tonight's going to be no different, and um, I want to go, we're going to continue on with the series on uh, on divine dominion, understanding your divine dominion. And it was so important that we laid out that foundation last night. Uh, tonight, we're going to go deeper, and I'm going to show you some things that are going to stir you up, but um, it needs to be taught because so many people are struggling with things that they should not have to struggle with, dealing with things that they should not have to deal with. And I, I, I want to see God's children succeed. I want to see them break through. I want to see them win. And so does God. That's why, by the way, if you remember this from last night, throw it in the comments one more time. I took time to teach you last night on the creator's original intent. And so I want you to put that in the comments one more time tonight, creator's original intent. That is the basis. It's how God started everything with man, put him in dominion. We saw that in Genesis chapter one. And so we're going to continue tonight. I'm going to show you some things. God's going to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And uh, listen, if you're not if you haven't started or maybe you're new to the broadcast, let me encourage you to jump in with us on the Bible reading challenge. Every day, we're doing the New Testament in 30 days. So every day we have a new reading for you. You can get yours at miracleword.com forward slash study. And uh, that's a page we've designed that even gives you videos to help you um, with tips and tricks and tools for studying the word of God. And so if you missed it, you can still jump into us. You've got plenty of time to do this. And uh, this, this will set you on another level spiritually to ingest this much word this month. And it's part of what we're doing to seek the face of God in this month of miracles, month of May. And uh, so as you're writing it, creator's original intent. God originally intended for you to be in dominion. God originally intended for you to walk in authority. And so we're going to start tonight in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 19. No, you know what? Let's go to Luke chapter 10, and we'll start there. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10. Now, this is, this is Jesus' disciples that are returning from 
doing what he called them to do, heal the sick, cast out devils, all the things he commanded them to do. And in Luke chapter 10, I find this very, very interesting. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Ariana. Mary, good to see you guys. Um, The Bible says this in Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 17. Here's where we'll start. 72 of his disciples returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now look at verse 19 because this is so vitally important. Behold, I have given you authority. Now I love that here in the English Standard Version, it renders this correctly. It says, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. You see that? I'm glad that it said it that way because if you studied it in the King James, one of the things that it says is that I give unto you all power over all the power of the enemy. It's a little bit misleading because that's not originally what the Greek manuscript says. It does not say I give you power over all power. That's not how it reads. And that's why I really appreciate the English Standard Version being literal to the original language. It says, I give unto you authority. I give unto you authority. There are two Greek words being used here in the text. The first one, authority, is the Greek word exousia. I give unto you authority over all of the power of the enemy at the end of the verse. That's dunamis. The power of the enemy, the dunamis. So dunamis, that's that's the same word for, for power, actual power that Jesus used in Acts chapter one and verse eight when he said, I give he said, uh, and you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So dunamis is the word for power, which is what you gain when the Holy Ghost comes on you. But Jesus said, I give I give unto you authority. And that's more literal, Tanya. She said New King James uses authority too. Important to understand the difference. And I'm going to break it down for you. The, the word power is more like Brandon saying ability or, or the capacity to, but authority is different. Because even though the enemy has the ability to do some things, Jesus gave you authority over the enemy's abilities. Now that, that breaks it down to help you understand Put that in the comments. I have authority over the enemy's abilities. That's that's extremely eye-opening for many people. I have authority over the enemy's abilities. So, so important that you catch this. And so Jesus is saying something here to his disciples. He's saying that although, and of course we know that this was before Jesus died on the cross, and completed the work of redemption and took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Uh, And so, but he says to them, I give unto you authority over all the power of the enemy. I've got authority over the enemy's abilities. So no matter what it is that he will do or can do, I've got authority over his actions, over his abilities, and I can take that authority. And so I think one of the best, if you've you've read... um, Brother Kenneth Hagin put out a book entitled The Believer's Authority, and some of it dealt with dominion. And one of the things that he explains in the book is that it's that you you've got 
authority over the devil's abilities, meaning think of it in this analogy. If there was ever a police officer, I've done this on the broadcast before. If there was a police officer that was standing at a, an intersection where maybe the traffic light went out and he was standing there with his flashlight directing traffic. And as he's directing traffic, uh, he, he may have a whole line of trucks. There may even be a Mack truck in that line, but they sit there and wait until the officer directs them to come through the intersection. Well, if you think about it logically, that human officer, that police officer, he does not have the power or the ability to stop a Mack truck with his own body or with his hands. If the driver of the Mack truck decided, I'm going to go through the intersection anyway and steps on the gas, there's nothing that the officer can do within his own power to stop that driver. He could go over if he wanted and put both hands on the front of the truck and say, you're not going to go. You're not going. No, no, he couldn't do that because he doesn't have the actual power over that vehicle. But notice he does have the authority and the authority means that, you know, when he was deputized as an officer of the law, he now carries delegated authority from our government to make those calls and to give those orders and to give those commands. So why then does the driver of the truck stop? Because the driver of the, the truck, he the driver of the truck knows that the police officer couldn't stop it with his own force, but he recognizes the authority of the officer and knows if I disobey the orders of the officer, there's going to be consequences that I have to deal with. And so what does he do? Stops and stays at the intersection. And so as a result, the officer can clearly direct traffic because of the authority that he has as he's operating. And this is important to understand because the Bible says, of course, we know this, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But remember this phrase, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What does that mean? You can't fight the devil with your fists. You can't fight the devil with a, a sword or a spear or a gun. You can't fight the devil with a bomb. It just, you, you cannot use carnal weapons to fight spiritual enemies. So what do we have to understand? It's important to understand we fight with spiritual weapons. We fight with faith. We fight with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we fight in the way God called us to fight. We use our authority and we use our dominion when we're fighting a supernatural battle. And so it's important to know we're not just, this isn't just semantics. We're not just mincing words here. No, there's a difference between power and authority. And we have authority, which is important because if you've got power, it doesn't mean anything if you've got somebody that's in authority over you, keeping you from using the power. And the devil has no right whatsoever to use his power on you because you've got authority over him. And that's why Jesus said, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy 
and nothing, hallelujah, and nothing shall hurt you. Remember those two Greek words, they're so important, exousia and dunamis. Exousia is authority, dunamis is power. And the devil, although he's got abilities and he's taking authority over, obviously, people that aren't in Christ, no question, the devil's still harassing people who are not in Christ. We know that. But for those that are in Christ, we're in a different level because we, and this is where I'm going to really get excited tonight because this is going to stir me up to another level. This, I, I start talking about this and I feel like preaching and it's very, I'm going to be honest with you. It's very hard. I brought my preaching towel just in case I do, but it's very hard as a preacher to be quarantined <laughs> because you feel like preaching. And then when you see this kind of stuff in the word, it gets you excited to the place where you feel like preaching it. And we do need to hear, hear it preached because this is something where people struggle and have issues and problems. But I want you to catch it. And I'm going to break this down for you tonight. It's that when you recognize why you are different than everybody else that's in the, that's in the world, the body of Christ is different than other individuals that are in the world. And the reason I say that is this, because the moment you become a Christian, now here's the real, real crux of the matter. The moment you become a Christian, you are transferred from one nationality to another, from one origin to another. You literally change who you are at the moment of salvation. You are now a new creature, a completely new one. You're not, you're not the same person remade. You are a completely new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That's a good idea, Andrew. I might have to do that. Andrew said, we need to get you a home pulpit so you can stand up and preach. I, I actually may do that. Don't put it past me. I'm going to get myself a home pulpit. But understand this, that, that when you transfer your nationality, so now, what do I mean by that? Now, I am not just a human being from the United States of America. My true identity is that I'm a supernatural being and my real home is heaven. Heaven is my true home, not the United States of America. That's just temporary. In fact, the Bible says that what happens to us is that we tra it, it, it goes from being our home to us becoming ambassadors. And, and if, you've, if you've heard me teach on this at all, hear this. An ambassador is somebody who leaves their homeland and travels to a foreign land and stays there to represent their home nation in the foreign place. This is going to be eye-opening to a lot of people tonight. An ambassador leaves their home nation, moves to a foreign nation, and sets up shop there and is a representative of their home nation in the foreign nation. And so let me show you this. Just because we've got the uh, Chinese ambassador that's here, maybe staying in the States, or maybe he's at the embassy or whatever he may be, we've got the Chinese ambassador who's here just because he's living here doesn't he's not doesn't mean he's an american he's not an american he's he's from china that's his nationality he stays in the embassy now watch if he stays in the embassy 
If you've ever seen uh, a movie, you know, one of my favorite series of movies, I like the, the born, the born identity uh, movies, the born movies. And in the very first born film, there's a part where he's running away from German police officers. I believe it's German. And he runs in to the United States embassy in Germany. And when he, when he runs in, notice this, I thought this was so interesting. When he runs in, the officers try to follow him in and the, the United States, I think they're Marines at the door, stop him, stop the, stop the, uh, officers, the German officers. Why? Because past that point, the German officers have no jurisdiction over anything that goes on inside of the embassy. Now, here's a very important point that you've got to catch is that if a country allows another country to build an embassy on their land, what they're doing is they're giving that nation the land for the embassy. So for example, if China's embassy, let's say you went to New York City and you went into China's embassy, that by all rights and purposes, when you step into the embassy, you are by all rights and purposes in China. You're in China. Even though you're in the United States, you're in China. So catch this. Chinese laws apply in the Chinese embassy. It's not the same. It's not American laws. You can't have the, the NYPD can't just storm into the Chinese embassy and start making arrests. They don't have jurisdiction there because it's another nation. And so when you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, then you change kingdoms. You transfer kingdoms. And I'm no longer, and you're no longer, just a normal human, a mortal, that is living here on the earth ready to die and then uh, like go into oblivion. It doesn't work like that. You are now a new creation with new, with a new origin, a new kingdom, and you've got new rights and you've got new abilities. And now that you do, now here's where it gets really powerful. Now that you do, the devil who I would be, I would say in this, in this context is represented by the officers of the land in which you live, that he's got no jurisdiction to come into your life to come into your body, to come into your family, to come into your home and start doing whatever he wants to do. Because now, now here's what's here's where it's so powerful. Hey, Brother Tim, now you are an ambassador of Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is where we're at tonight. We're moving into this. And this, let me tell you, this, and then and then starting tomorrow night, Thursday night, and Friday night, we're going to be talking about dominion over sin, dominion over sickness and disease, dominion over poverty, dominion over depression. We're going to deal with those individual uh, subjects. But I want to show you how we deal with it last night and tonight. 2 Corinthians 5. Look at this. We know verse 17, the Bible says, any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things have become new. But go on further down, down the... Uh, chapter and look at what the Bible says. Verse 20, 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So the Bible clearly calls us ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors of heaven. So understand that's where we're from. That's where we're going back. 
And while we're here on the earth, we stand here in dominion and authority representing, here's the, here's the powerful part, representing the interests of heaven on the earth. This is where I'm going to start getting excited and start shouting. Because when you realize what Jesus was teaching his disciples, he was teaching them, even when he was still on the earth, that it needs to be said and needs to be understood. Even when he taught his disciples how to pray. See, this is so powerful. Even when he taught his disciples how to pray. Matthew chapter 6. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, watch this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop right there. Matthew 6, 10. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why was he teaching them to pray like that? Because he wanted them to understand that as God's workers, as God's ambassadors, we are his agents of change. And we have the power and authority to look and see what's in heaven. How can we look and see what's in heaven? Based on the word of God. We can know what's in heaven and we can then manifest those same things, which are the desires and the will of God. We can manifest them on the earth. We manifest them on the earth. So let me give you an example. The devil has a plan to make people sick. The devil has a plan to make people diseased. But we have been commanded as ambassadors of Christ to let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the question for you. Is there any sickness in heaven? The answer, of course, is no. There is no sickness in heaven, none. So what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to let that same will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So anywhere we as believers see sickness or disease, what are we commanded to do? Lay our hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Why can we lay our hands on the sick? Why? Because we are agents of change for the government of heaven. And God's will and agenda for the earth is healing and health. And so we as believers have the authority to curse and cast out sickness and disease and commanded to leave. And by the authority that's been given to us as ambassadors, it must listen to us and we can manifest the will of God here on the earth. It's not our home. It's a foreign land. We're from heaven. But we've got the power to manifest the uh, agenda and the will and plan of God in this foreign land because of our authority. Think of it. Because of our authority. Agents and ambassadors of change. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. I feel like jumping, man, because see, I've been created in the image of God and so have you. I've been given authority by God and so have you. The Holy Ghost that lives in us, it gives us authority and power. See, we don't just have authority and the devil's got power. We have authority and we've got power. 
And as agents of change and ambassadors for Christ, we've been empowered to make the will of God priority upon the earth and manifest the will of God. Is there depression in heaven? No. Is there anxiety in heaven? No. Are there suicidal thoughts in heaven? No. No. And so we as agents of change carry the authority and the power of the Holy Ghost to make those changes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. We are living here, but we are foreigners, pilgrims in a strange land. Our real home is heaven. But now we've been sent here as ambassadors. That's it. Special Agent Arden Cooper. That's exactly right. And so we've got the power. We've got the ability. And when you see Jesus, who was the prototype, remember this, Jesus was always the prototype man sent by God to prove it could be done. Do you know, people look at Jesus. One of the, one of the things that we need to, and of course, listen, I want to say this very carefully because I want nothing that I ever say to make to, to come across as um, disrespectful. Not that you think I would, but when we talk about Jesus, it's so important that, and it's a it's not an easy thing to understand. To be honest with you, and I understand that it's not. Jesus was all man and all God at the same time. He was deity. He was God in the flesh, but he was also all man at the same time. No question, not only was Jesus God in the flesh, Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. He said, I and the Father are one. We're one and the same. There's no difference. If he, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a claim of deity. I don't know, you know, I've seen these people on YouTube, they're like, Jesus never claimed to be God. Of course he did. That's what he meant when he said, I and the Father are one and the same. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't, he didn't set his divinity, divinity aside, Jacob, but there were portions of it that were shielded while he was on the earth. For example, there are things as a man that he did not know. And so there were some things that he was he he didn't continue on in his omniscience as a man but he operated in the gifts of the spirit so he operated in prophecy he operated uh in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and so you can see this very clearly that the reason Jesus came as God in the flesh John chapter 1 was so, but also all man was so that he could prove that we as men and women could do what he did without being, you see that? That it's possible to be a man and never sin. And that's what he was proving. He was proving that it's possible. He was proving that it's possible. So although he set certain characteristics aside when he came to the earth, he was still deity. He was still God and claimed to be God, but he was also all man. And I know that's a hard thing for people to understand, him being all man and all God at the same time, but he was. He absolutely was, but he was the prototype. He was the prototype showing us that it's possible to be a human as he was a human and live free from sin. He lived free from sin. As I said yesterday, Jesus could have sinned, but he did not sin. 
He could have sinned, but he had the capacity to sin if he wanted to. He had a free will, but he rejected temptation and succeeded over temptation and he lived free from sin. And so I want you to see this with me tonight. He was the blueprint, as Juan is saying, or the prototype man to show us the way that we are supposed to operate. So anything you see Jesus doing, and here's what's powerful, because I've read this to you before, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of the Father. I hope I'm not doing too much or going too fast. Is this making sense to you? If it is, throw some thumbs up in the comments. I'm not, I don't want to speed through this. And I know people say, sometimes you talk too fast, I can't scribble the, the notes down. I hope I'm not going too quickly and that I'm not trying to dump too much information, but I want you to understand and see it. Is it making sense to you? Sometimes people write me and they're like, you talk quickly, man. And I can't, I'm trying to take notes. I can't understand. I'm going from one thought to the other. And I know you're sharp. That's why you're sticking with me. I want you to see this. Jesus was the prototype. So he was proving to us that it's possible to be a human being and not sin. That's why that he could tell certain individuals, go and sin no more. When he said that to them, he just empowered them to do it. Go and sin no more. And then be ye perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. Peter said, you must be holy, even as your father in heaven is holy. And so notice this, that Jesus was the prototype. He was showing us that it's possible to succeed in carrying out the father's plans on the earth. And so you and I have the ability because Jesus succeeded, we can succeed. So anything you saw Jesus doing, anything, it was the representation of his father. How he spoke, what he did, how he healed, how he delivered, how he cast out devils, all those things were the exact representation of his father. And what was Jesus doing? He said, I, I can't do anything of my own accord. I can only say what I hear my father say. I can only do what I see my father do. He had to do what the Lord told him. And what God was telling him to do was to carry out his agenda on the earth. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. And you in the same way, because you're now part of the body of Christ. Now you have the power to carry out the agenda and plans of God on the earth. Now you have the power to destroy the works of the devil. First John, man, Carla caught me. Carla knows exactly where I'm at tonight. Mint Medley by Bigelow. Tease. You understand this, that it, Jesus is showing that we have the power. First John chapter three and verse eight, the Bible says that the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So as he did what God told him to do, as he carried out the plans of God on the earth, he was destroying the works of the devil in the same way. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14 and verse 12? He said, the works that I do you will do also, 
and even greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father in heaven. So he was saying, I'll send you the Holy Spirit who will then empower you. And that empowerment will allow you to actually fulfill the agenda and plans of God on the earth as well. And you will destroy the works of the devil as well. In the same way that I did it, you will do it. In the same way that I did it, you will do it. No question. And that's the plan of God. That's the plan of God for your life, is that you fulfill that agenda and fulfill that plan. So we've got the ability. I want you to say that. I've got the ability to do what Jesus did. Put that in the comments. I've got the ability to do what Jesus did. Write it down. I've got the ability to do what Jesus did. See, until we get that, until we understand it fully, we will miss out on our purpose and on our call. You know, one of the most demonic things that happens to, to Christians today, let me just, let me share this with you because it is sad. One of the most demonic things that, that is taught to Christians and that Christians believe is that they are somehow unworthy to be like Jesus. They are somehow unworthy to carry out the works of Jesus. I'm, I, I promise you. That's a great quote, Ari. I can be perfect. Absolutely you can. If the Bible commands you to be, then you can be. And one of the things we believe as Christians, I don't, but I'm saying many do, is that they don't have the ability to be like Jesus. There's this demonic mindset that we are somehow filthy and somehow unworthy, you know. It's in all, it's all, you know, you can turn on K-Love for one day. Just turn on K-Love and listen to half the garbage playing on that station. Garbage. You know, we're all sinners with filthy hands and, you know, all these things. Uh <laughs> It's like there was a song that was out not long ago. It was, it was a worship song. And one of, the, literally one of the, uh, the, the lyrics in the song was, Redeemer of my past and present wrongs. It's like, why are you committing present wrongs? Are you literally sinning as you're writing the song? Like, I don't understand. Why are we focused on that? And so many people believe I'm unworthy. I'm filthy. I am, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm dirty. I'll always be this until we get to heaven. And then pe we're preached to and we're taught, you know, we're all just sinners saved by grace. Hallelujah. Sinners saved by grace. And that we've always, it's, you know what it is? I'm going to, I'm going to give it a name. It's, it's like an alcoholics anonymous Christianity. I'm going to start calling it AA Christianity because it's exactly what it is. It's the exact same thought process and psychology of Alcoholics Anonymous because they tell you for the rest of your life, they tell you, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovering alcoholic. You could meet a dude 30 years later and you know what he's going to still say to you? Well, I'm a recovering alcoholic. When's the last time you had a drink? 30 years ago this June. 
Really? 30 years ago this June was your last drink? Well, let me just tell you something. You're not a recovering alcoholic. You've recovered. (laughs) You've recovered. You're no longer an, an alcoholic. And the problem is, is that kind of a confession, that kind of a thought process keeps you in bondage. AA Christianity. I'm a recovering alcoholic. What do AA Christians say? I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That's what they all say. Same crap. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm just ridiculous. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what the Bible says. And here's the problem. You say, well, you know, you're just now at this point, it's just semantics. You're just missing. No, it's not just semantics. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will become the reality of what you believe to be true. So, you know, that's why the apostle said, we believe, therefore we speak. The things you say are, are, uh, are based upon what you believe to be true. If you believe, see, like, that's what I'm saying. Karen said, my, my old pastor, my ex-pastor used to call us wretched. Well, there you go. You're calling God's new creation wretched is basically what you're doing. What a slap in the face to the creator. What a slap in the face to the creator. Imagine this, if you will. Imagine if God himself, I mean, with all of his holiness, you know, I know, I know it's impossible in our flesh state, but imagine if God himself was in your living room and he created something for you there and gave it to you and said, here, I created this for you. Imagine looking back at God and looking down at his creation and looking back at him and saying, that's wretched. You created that? That's wretched. That's exactly what people are saying when they call Christians wretched. Well, we're just wretched, brother. We're all just sinners saved by grace. We're all filthy hands. No, that's not what the Bible teaches whatsoever. And that's what people are doing when they talk like that about the new creation realities. You're saying that God created wretchedness in a new creation. Yes, Cynthia, but remember this. She's quoting Amazing Grace. She said, but Amazing Grace has saved a wretch like me. Yes, before we were saved, we were wretches. We were wretched before salvation. That's why Amazing Grace says that. Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. I was a wretch, but he saved me. But I'm not a wretch anymore. I'm not wretched anymore. No longer. I'm a new... Oh, hallelujah. Let me give you another one that'll stir your spirit. If you didn't hear anything, if you've never heard me say this, the thing that determines your value, by the way, is what was paid for you, if you don't know that. The thing that determines your value is what was paid for you. So remember this, the Bible says that we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels. We are the earthen vessels and the treasure in us is the Holy Ghost, this new creation reality. And so remember this, it's what's in us that gives us value. As I heard Dr. or Pastor Jensen Franklin say one time, he said, you know, if you if you look at somebody that buys a pizza and orders pizza to their house. He said those pizza companies, Papa John's and Domino's and all them, they probably pay less than one penny per pizza box that they have to print because they print millions and millions of them. 
they probably pay one penny or less for each pizza box. He said, and nobody keeps the pizza box. It's worthless to us. As soon as the pizza's gone, we throw the box in the trash. We don't keep it. We don't frame it. We don't put it on the wall. The pizza box is worthless. We think it's worthless until somebody from Papa John's shows up at your house, rings the doorbell, and when you open it, he says, here's your pizza, and he's holding your bare pizza in his bare hand. And you're going to look at him and say, where's the box? Well, we didn't think you wanted the box. You know, for the, the box is a bunch of, you just throw it away anyway. We're trying to save some money. He said, I'm not going to eat that pizza. I don't know where your hands have been. I'm not eating that after you've touched my pizza with your bare hands. So now you care about the box, don't you? You know why you care about the box? Because the thing that gives value to the box is what's in the box. Remember that. The thing that gives value and purpose to the box is what's in the box. And so it's what's in us that gives us value and what gives us purpose. We are the box that holds the treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The Holy Ghost abides in us. The Bible says Paul had to teach this to the Corinthian church. He said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And that's the point I'm trying to make, recognizing that it's not your flesh. It's not your flesh that carries the value. Your flesh is a house for the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's what's in you that gives you value. Hallelujah. It's what's in you. It's what's paid for you. Jesus paid for you with his own precious blood, which was priceless. Here was a worthless object that he paid a priceless price for. That price was transferred onto the object. So now, you know, because remember this, it's like people say beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Everything's relative, right? So if you were to go buy a, a, a painting, well, what, what determines the value of a painting? Well, I'm sure it's rarity, who painted it, when it was painted, you know, so you go buy one. But really, if you really think about it, it in itself is not valuable. It's a canvas with paints on it. That's all it is. It's not gold. It's not platinum. It's a canvas with paints on it. The only thing that matters about it is who painted it and the rarity of it. That's all that matters. And so you might have somebody go out and buy and forgive me if I don't know what I'm talking about because I've never looked up the price of actual expensive art. But if somebody went out and bought, you know, an original Van Gogh and was willing to pay $150 million for an original Van Gogh, it's not because the paint is expensive and it's not because the canvas is expensive. It's because of who painted it and the fact that there's only one. It's a rarity. That's what gives it value. That's what gives it worth. That's why someone's willing to pay $150 million for that piece of canvas with some paints on it. And in the same way, that's what makes you valuable. It's not about the fact that you have flesh. Everyone has flesh and a brain and, and organs and blood in your body. 
It's about the fact of who created this new creation. It's about who made you. The thing that makes you valuable is the painter, the author, and the finisher of your faith, Christ, who paid for you with his own precious blood and the rarity of who you are. There's only one of you. There'll never be another one of you. And you're a new creature in Christ and a member of the body of Christ. And you carry value as a new creature in Christ. Value. You're not worthless. You're not a dime a dozen. You're not somebody that can be thrown to the wayside that nobody will care about. You are valuable to Christ. You are priceless to Christ. Start acting like it. Start talking like it. Start acting like it. Start talking like it. Put it in the comments. I am somebody. Put it in the comments. I am somebody. Why? Because Christ made you somebody. Love you, Brother Tim. I am somebody because Christ made me somebody. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Put it in the comment. I am somebody. Don't go around with your head hung low. Don't go around and let people tell you that you're worthless. Don't go around and think of yourself as filthy and wretched and dirty and a sinner saved by grace. No, I am somebody in Jesus' name. Well, brother, sounds like pride to me. No, it's confidence in who he's made me to be. It's not pride to know you're a child of God. That's not pride. That's called having scriptural understanding. Amen. Was it pride when Jesus said, I am the son of God? Was it pride when he said that? Or was it just a straight up fact? It was a fact. And there's nothing wrong with stating a fact. I am somebody. Hallelujah, I am somebody. Not a sinner saved by grace. Who do you think you're talking to? I'm not wretched. I'm not filthy. I'm not a sinner with filthy hands and so unworthy to stand before God. Let me show you something, by the way. If we're going to have authority and dominion, Hebrews chapter 4, go with me. The Lord's just giving me these verses as I'm preaching. I don't have any notes, but I want you to know that the Lord's showing you things tonight because there's something we need to hear. Something we need to hear. Hebrews chapter four, and we need to hear it because one of the ways that we establish dominion, the one of the ways that we enact our dominion is through prayer. Prayer is some is one of the ways that we activate our dominion on the earth, prayer, prayer. And so I want you to look, this is why I'm, I'm harping on this. If you think I'm harping on this one thought, I am, and here's why. Because it matters what you think about yourself. It matters how you view yourself. It matters how you uh, look at your, uh, at your own personal purpose and what God's called you to do. It matters if you think it's important or if you think it's, you know, something can be just not done and it wouldn't matter to anybody. That does matter. Because if that's how you think about you, then you won't press forward to accomplish what you're called to do. You'll think, well, you know, if I get around to it, it's not that big of a deal anyway. It probably should be more of a hobby for me. No, it's important what you do. And that's why Paul taught the Corinthians that we're all members of the body and we all have our own specific purpose. Trust me when I tell you, I need my ears and my nose. I need my nose and my eyes. 
I need my eyes and my mouth. I need my mouth and my hands. I don't need just one of them. I need all of the members in particular because they all serve a purpose. And so don't ever think, well, what I do is unimportant. I always tell people this. There's no such thing as uh, an, an unimportant or uh, what we would call a uh, insignificant part of your body. And if you think there actually is, if you think there's a part of you that does not matter, then tonight when the broadcast is over, go grab a hammer out of your toolbox, put your foot against the floor, and smash your pinky toe against the floor. You say, well, it's just a little pinky toe. I don't need it. Smash it with your hammer and see what the rest of the body screams at you after you do it. You know what it's going to scream? We need it. Well, it's just a pinky toe nail. Oh, really? You don't think your body values the pinky toe nail? Get some needle nose pliers after the broadcast. Grab a hold of the edge of your pinky toe nail and rip that bad boy off your toe and see what the rest of your body screams at you. We need it. There is no insignificant part of your body. None. And in the same way, there's no insignificant part of the body of Christ. You are important. You're important. You're valuable to the kingdom. You're valuable to the kingdom. <laughs> Everybody's saying that you're hurting. It hurts just to think about it. Stop talking about it. it hurt. It's hurting me. It's, yeah, I'm telling you, because even without actually doing it, you can picture it and you know it's not right. It's not right. So understand every joint supplies. That's right. It, it matters how we think about ourselves. And here's why. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16. You ready? Hebrews 4, 16. The Bible says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So if the devil can make you feel um, if he can steal your confidence, I'll say it that way. If he can, 4.16, Hebrews 4.16, if he can steal your confidence and make you feel like you're a nobody and make you feel like you're insignificant and make you feel like you don't have a purpose, then you don't have the ability to boldly draw near to the throne of grace to ask or to request help from God in the time of need. It steals. Well, the moment you have your value stolen from you and your dignity stolen from you, you have your boldness stolen from you. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I'm getting ready to jump up and dance around this place. And I got half a suit on, buddy. I'll do it anyway. I don't care. I don't care. I feel the Holy Ghost. Because here's the thing. If the devil can make you feel like that, you know what he's got you feeling like? A beggar. Because if you don't believe that you've got the right to ask God, then you feel like you've got to beg God. <laughs> you feel like you've got to beg God to get what you need rather than realizing you're a child of God and have a right to ask him for what you want him to do. You've got a right, a legal covenant right to ask God. 
Hallelujah. You've got a right. You know, my son, my little son, Teddy, who just turned four, he does not have to beg me to feed him. He doesn't have to beg me to feed him. I will feed him because I love him and he can boldly ask me to feed him. He can boldly ask me to feed him and of course I'm going to feed him. He doesn't have to ask me to provide a bed for him. He can boldly ask me. It doesn't matter. I give him things because I love him and say, you know, can I sleep with you? Mom and I can't, still can't keep him out. He'll come down in the middle of the night. Can I sleep with you in your bed? And although he's the most horrible person to sleep with, he'll sleep diagonally with his legs, arms spread out into your back and into all of that. All of that doesn't matter. I love you. You're my son. If you asked him, I'll do it. You're my boy. And let me tell you something else. If I was a deadbeat father that refused to provide for my son and said, no, I'm not going to give, let me tell you what would happen. I could go to court and all they have to do is a DNA test to ensure that he is my son. And guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be commanded by the court to pay child support for that boy and take care of him for his whole life till he's not a minor anymore. You know why? Because as my blood son, he has a legal right to be provided for from his father. You understand? So he doesn't ever have to say, feel like a beggar in front of his father because he has a legal right to ask me. He's connected to me by blood. He's connected to me by covenant. And now he doesn't have to walk around like a servant or a slave or a beggar. He's a child of this house. He is a son of mine and he gets the inheritance because he's my son. Doesn't have to beg. Doesn't have to plead with me. That's why I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that phrase that everybody uses plead the blood. I'm not a fan of that phrase. First of all, it's not in the Bible. And second of all, why would I ever have to plead with God for his blood when Jesus already shed his blood for me and gave that to me as a gift? It's a free gift from the Lord. It's by grace you're saved through faith. I couldn't have made Jesus shed his blood. I couldn't have made him come down from heaven and do what he did for us. He did it because he loves us. So I don't understand this phrase that we've got to plead the blood. Why am I pleading with a God that I'm in covenant with? Why am I pleading with a God that gave me every blessing under heaven? If he gave me every blessing, Ephesians 1 3. What am I pleading about? Why do I have to plead? I'm not a beggar. I am a child of the king. And if I'm a child of the king, I have a right to do what Hebrews 4 16 says and to boldly approach the throne of grace and ask for help in the time of need. I don't have to plead for the blood. The blood's already been shed. Don't have to plead the blood. I honestly don't know where that phrase came from, and I've been trying to find out. I've been trying to study the origin of it, trying to find out the etymology of how do you get to the place, what Pentecostal believer started the phrase, plead the blood. I don't have to plead for anything. The blood is applied. The blood has been shed. I'm not pleading for anything. See, because it puts us in the mindset that we're somehow beggars. We're not beggars. We are covenant children of the most high God. I don't have to beg and neither do you. I have dominion and authority on this earth. I don't plead for anything. 
I don't plead for anything. I don't have to beg. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Never. And that was old covenant. Think about that. Put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. Never. Why would I have to beg from a God who, you know what the Bible says? Book of Romans. If he has given us his son, how much more will he freely give us all things? Somebody put that uh, scripture in the comments for me. If he's given us his son, how much more will he freely give us all things? You think you got to plead for a healing? When he's given you his son, if he's given you his son, why wouldn't he give you healing? I mean, think about that. If he's given you his son, how much more will he not freely give you all things? Because remember this, put it in the, put, I mean, copy and paste the whole verse in for me, Brandon, Romans eight thirty two. Remember this, if he's given us his son, how much more will he not freely give us all things? You know what, what Paul's trying to teach there, don't you? Jesus was the greatest gift that could ever be given to the world. Nothing was ever greater than Jesus. <laughs> and, if he, and if God gave us Jesus, how much more will he not freely give us all things? You see, look at that. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's the point I'm making. You know how crazy that is? That would be, let me give you an extreme example, but it's even more extreme than this in real life. That would be like me saying to Teddy, come on outside, it's your, it's your you know, 17th birthday. Look what's in the driveway for you. And Teddy comes walking out, 17 years old, just got his driver's license. And then he looks in the driveway and dad just bought him a Bentley. There's a Bentley in the driveway. And Teddy's looking at that new Bentley, brand new Bentley, matte paint jobs, got rims on it. It's got a system in it. Thing is bad to the bone. Okay. Then he turns to me and says, thank you so much for the car. Can I please, please, can I please, I know it's, I know it's wrong for me to ask, but can I please, please get $5, $5, really? You think you need to sit there and beg and plead with me for $5 as my son if I just bought you a brand new Bentley? If I got you a Bentley, you think $5 means anything to me? You think you have to sit there and beg and plead? I just got you a Bentley. Of course I'll give you $5. That's the point Paul's trying to make, but on a much more grand scale because Christ's worth it cannot be calculated. He's priceless. And if he gave, if God gave us his son, we look at these other little things as if they're big things. Oh God, we need a car. Lord, we need a car. Oh God, we need a house. A house, a car. That's nothing to God. If he gave you Christ, how much more will he not freely give you all 
things, all things. And it, see, it affects. And this is why it affects you because it affects you be, based on how you approach him. And the way that I was telling you people teach it tonight, you're wretched, you're filthy, you're a sinner saved by grace. It changes your mindset about you and that it affects your own confidence as you approach the throne and you feel guilt and you feel shame and you feel you look at the thing you used to be and carry it over into your new creation reality and as you carry it over you bring the shame with it you bring the guilt with it you bring all of the hesitation with it you bring the insecurity with it and then you got all that baggage and you try to pray to God and be bold but all you feel is the stuff that he doesn't even remember anymore and that's what the devil does. That's what that thought process is all about. To steal your confidence and your boldness. And that's why you understand. When you operate in dominion, you've got to know who you are. Right, just a worm. No way. No way, Marie. No way. You know what? Um you know, I understand that I'm a sinner, but I, I was a sinner, but I, I'm not a sinner anymore. And so I don't talk like that anymore. I don't, I don't uh, refer to myself in that way. It's like saying God didn't do what he said he did. It's, all, it's like saying God's a liar. If you say you're a sinner, you're calling God a liar because he called you a new creation. He didn't call you a sinner saved by grace. He called you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And anytime somebody preaches wrong doctrine, they're calling God a liar because they're calling his word a lie. And I refuse to call his word a lie. His word is true. His word will never pass away. In Jesus' name, we thank him for his word. And it brings us the boldness and the faith to step up in, before God and begin to pray like God wants us to pray, with boldness, with clarity, and with confidence. And when we enact our boldness, think about this, our dominion, that's been given to us through the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost, it takes that kind of confidence and faith to walk in dominion. I used to test this out just to be funny because I have kind of a little bit, if you couldn't tell, a little bit of a sense of humor. And I found out, and I've, I've done my own social experiments. I did these before I knew that anybody, before there was a YouTube where people did social experiments. I used to do it just for the fun of it. And I found, you know, you want to know something interesting that I found out? I found out that if you will say something to someone with confidence and boldness, most of the time they'll listen to you. If you'll say, so you know what I used to do? I used to go into rest, like we'd finish church, right? And I used to do this all the time in Bible school because, you know, after you get out of church, you're still in a suit and tie. So <laughs> I would go into these restaurants waiting for my table and uh, I'd be waiting there and I would, <laughs> I would do multiple things. Sometimes in my suit and tie, just like this, I would walk slowly, you know, with my hands clasped behind my back, I would walk through the restaurant while people are eating their, their afternoon uh, meals. And I would, <laughs> I'd walk up to tables and go, how was everything today? Everything good? You, you enjoying the meal? Anything we could do better, let me know. What can I, any, anything I could get for me? People are like, oh no, it was wonderful. Wonderful meal. Thank you so much. It was excellent. Sometimes at the front, 
I would grab I would grab several menus and I'd say, how many in your party today? We've got a VIP section for you. Follow me right this way. And then go seat people and sit them down with menus and then see the, the shock on their face as I walk by them again as our uh, the lady at the front that's the hostess is seating us in our party. But I found out. I found if you'll say things with boldness and authority, people will listen to you. I've used it. I've tested out boldness and dominion and authority as a social experiment, just taking dominion and authority. I've been around people that looked like they were uh, supposed to be successful, but I've, I've taken a dominion and authority because I'm just not going to let things that are wicked be around me. I understand the world is wicked, but I've been out with my kids before and here's somebody, some adult next to us start dropping foul language. And I'll address them boldly and with dominion. Hey, and they'll they'll look at me all startled, you know, after they've been dropping swear words. And I'll say, watch your mouth and clean up your language. You know, it shakes them out. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, you start apologizing. What happened? You just got dominion (laughs) taken over you. (laughs) You can be bold. And I found out if you'll be confident and bold and take dominion, Things will, things will change. Trust me. I get that from my father, my, my father and my grandfather. My grandfather was the source. I've been in restaurants. No lie. My grandfather was a man of authority and dominion. I've been in restaurants with my grandfather before, before he passed away, where he will quiet down an entire kitchen of workers. Where, you know, there may be a whole bunch of commotion back there and he'll shout back through the kitchen and like, Hey, keep it down in here. I was with him one time. <laughs> I was with my grandfather one time as a teenager and we were at, we were at a restaurant and there was all this commotion and all this, all this stuff in the kitchen. He got up from the table, went back. This was like after one of his own midweek services in Maine, when he pastored, he looked in through the kitchen, you know, where, where they passed the food out and he shouted, he shouted into the kitchen, Hey, Keep it down back there and everybody get, be quiet and get back to work or I'll send every one of you home. <laughs> like, who is this dude? Does he own the restaurant? What's going on? But let me tell you what, it got quiet and people got back to work. <laughs> You've just been dominionized. But you can take dominion. You can walk with authority. You can walk in dominion. <laughs> Don't try it on your wife. Do not, do not try that on your wife. But that's what I'm encouraging you with tonight because you need to understand you're an ambassador. You now are from a different kingdom that as an ambassador in this kingdom and you are anointed to fulfill the plan of God, the agenda of God on the earth. No question. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm taking these first two nights so that you understand the basis of authority and dominion. Before we go into talking about a dominion over sin, dominion over sickness, dominion over poverty, you need to know that you have the ability to take dominion and that all authority has been given unto you. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to plead for it. It is yours through your covenant with Christ and your attachment to the Holy Spirit. It's yours already. Now, the only thing that remains is to take dominion over every wicked thing that tries to advance itself against you. I want you to bow your head. We're going to pray. 
I want you to receive this prayer by faith tonight because boldness, this is what I'm praying for you. I could see how many people in the comments as they're writing, how many people have had poor teaching and maybe this has been part of your mindset because some pastor somewhere taught you this is who you are and this is, you know, this is what, you know, this is what we all are as believers and it's a lie. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know what you are. And so what I'm, one of the things I'm praying for you tonight is that a new boldness would come upon your life and you'll never be the same again after tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for your people. I pray that you would touch them tonight supernaturally and let a supernatural boldness come upon every one of them. Lord, give us a confidence Give us a faith, give us a boldness like we've never had before to step out and take dominion in every situation in life. We will not be beggars. We will not plead. We have a covenant right to the blessings that you have purchased from us in the mighty name of Jesus. And so from this night forward, we change the way that we even think about our lives. We allow our minds to synchronize with the mighty word of God. And we believe what God said about us, not what man said about us. We believe what God said about us, not what the government says about us. We receive new creation realities in Jesus' mighty name. Now I'm praying, Lord, that you would continue to open the eyes of every person's understanding. Let them fully understand this revelation. Don't let us come to the end of this week and still wonder, how do we operate in dominion and authority? What can we do? We just have to go through life and take life as it comes. No, from this night forward, we know things are changing. We will see the truth and the truth will set us free in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it and we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. And if you believe it, Somebody throw some fire in the comments section and let me know you receive that prayer tonight and you believe it in the mighty name of Jesus that your vision is changing and you're taking dominion with boldness in the mighty name that's above every name in Jesus' name. If you believe it, throw some fire up. Throw some fire up. And as you're doing that, let me encourage you to sow a seed tonight. It's important. Financial testimonies are coming in. People are getting promotions in the midst of the the uh, quarantine. Another one tonight on the broadcast. I don't know if you saw it. Been believing for a job. A job just came through. We're getting uh, testimonies of promotions and raises. Raises that don't even make sense. <laughs> I mean, literally. We've had people write in and say, I'm getting another raise. The raise doesn't even make sense. I just got a raise. Now I'm getting another raise. It's happening for people right now because this is a year of violent increase and expedited favor without question. It is a year of violent increase and expedited favor and it's going to be your story too. And you know how to activate it by sowing a seed. Thank you, Andrew, for sowing. And so ask the Holy Spirit right now. Father, speak to your people. Speak to your people. Give them an instruction from heaven as to what you'd have them sow tonight into this ministry. And as they sow their seed, we thank you, a fresh harvest is coming back. A supernatural harvest is coming back in Jesus' mighty name. It's miracles in the month of May, in Jesus' name. Now, right now, 
as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, because he is, take that step of faith and do what he's asking you to do. Whatever it might be. I don't know what it is. Anne-Marie said PayPal. Some are sewing on PayPal. Some are sewing on Cash App, hashtag donate, Venmo. Easiest one ever, miracleword.com. No matter where you are in the world, you can sew there. But here's the important thing. Do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do because he always leads you into increase. Always leads you into increase. You know what I'm believing? I just got a testimony tonight. Can I tell you what it is? Testimony came out. I was talking to my friend. He said, we just got a message that my wife's student loan debt was completely canceled. $27,000. Now listen to this. It just got canceled, so in the month of April it was canceled. So think about this. They had already paid on the um, student loan debt for January, February, and March. Check this out. Not only was the student loan debt canceled, $27,000, they sent them back all their payments from March, February, January back in a check to them and said, no, it's all wiped out. It's all canceled for you. $27,000 gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. That makes me want, I'm going to dance for them on their behalf. Hallelujah. Dancing. Dancing in my shorts. Dancing in my slides. Hallelujah. Dancing in my shorts. Dancing in my slides. Hallelujah. Student loan debt canceled by the power of God. You know how much of a weight that is to be, <laughs> to be lifted off your shoulders? Do you know how much $27,000 is to be lifted off your shoulders? Thank you, Jesus. That's right. We did, we did, <laughs> we did shout that. Student loan debts will be canceled. We declared it. And they are. They're being canceled. Raises, promotions, bonuses are coming. You're going to be blessed as well. Let me encourage you. Cancel it, Jesus. Andrew said, I've got $20,000 in student loan. Cancel it, Lord. Just like you did for my friends. Do it for Andrew as well. Let the power of God cancel that, just like it was canceled for them, in Jesus' name. Let him get the letter in the mail. Your debt has been wiped out. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. At least a solid color. In Jesus' name. And we're believing. And I believe it's going to be the same for you. I do. It's going to be your story too. So do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Of course, you know we bless everybody that's, that's standing with us in partnership. We're going to send you that wonderful book by my friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan, Heir of Power, which also talks about this, what I'm talking about, your identity in Christ, that you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And um, we're going to, for those of you that are selling $1,000 or more, of course, we're going to send you one of those genuine leather life application study Bibles and the hardcover version of Further Faster. We love you, man. We love you very much. And um, this week... I got a special guest that's going to be on the broadcast with me. Can't tell you who, can't tell you when. But also, Carolyn is going to be on with me one of these days, and she's always special. She's always a special guest and beautiful in every way. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.